result. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. Hello, shitheads. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Pulse Pounding. I'm your host, Mickey Dillon, and I am all hopped up on Celsius today. And I don't usually drink energy drinks. This is not sponsored. But if they'd like to cut me a check, the email is in the link of my Instagram. <laughs> I don't usually drink energy drinks because they make me like fucking crazy. I don't know what's in like Red Bulls and Monsters that make me jittery and weird and give me a fucking hallucinogenic migraine. But I feel like these Celsius ones, like maybe it's in my head because I had one good experience, but I feel like they're more clean and they don't make me like crazy or crash or jittery. But I will not pass drinking one occasionally. This is not a habit, trust me. But I'm definitely a little hopped up on this energy drink. And let's just get right down to business, okay? I had a great solo day last week where I got in the car and I drove out. If you don't know how Long Island is kind of set up, once you get outside the city, the further you drive east before Montauk, it gets like more a little country-like out there with the vineyards and the farms. And there's all like fresh produce, all these great little farm stands, a lot of water everywhere. And I just like to go out there and kind of like disconnect and turn off my phone or use my phone minimally and just sit by the water. So that's what I did. I had a whole day by myself. I went to breakfast at a diner that I used to go to a lot when I was a kid. And I like to go like back to places that remind me of good times, whether it be in my childhood or whether it be my younger years, experiences I've had certain places places that were a kind of a staple in my younger years. So I went to breakfast out there by myself. I saw my grandparents and I kind of just like drove around and went to some old spots, saw the water and it was really peaceful and it was a really good reset. And I feel like I have to start doing that more often, maybe like once a month, take a day off and just to myself, do it by myself, be by myself. Because I came back and I had such a like refreshed feeling the next day when I woke up. I also visited the trails that I used to walk through with my friends when I was a teenager out there uh, when my dad lived over there. And I used to smoke cigarettes in the woods that I would steal at 15 from my parents and um, let them wonder where they went when they couldn't find them and be like, hmm, I don't know. I guess you lost them. Guess you smoked them all. But really, it was me. <laughs> I have such a funny memory of like being 16 or 17 at my dad's house, or maybe even younger, honestly, maybe even younger, really bad. <laughs> and he was like asleep upstairs at like two o'clock in the morning. And I had, I was downstairs on my laptop. It had to be earlier than that because it was the MySpace days. I have vivid memories of the MySpace days. And I would like be out back in the jacuzzi on the deck on my fucking MySpace on the phone with my friends on my Nextel because that was like the cool cell phone back then. Chain smoking cigarettes like I was an adult. What a fucking trash loser I was as a teenager. So I had a really good solo day and a really good break. And why did I need a break? Because I can't listen to anyone talk anymore about Taylor fucking Swift and Travis Kelsey, okay? I called my aunt the night before I had my solo day. Been seeing this shit on the internet nonstop. I haven't spoken to my aunt in a couple weeks. I figure, let me call her, catch up, see what's new. For the 30 minutes I was driving home from work on the phone with her, she was giving me the full run through of the research and development she's done on Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and how his jersey sales are up 40 I'm sorry, 400% since Taylor Swift showed up at the game. She's telling me all the spots that they've been going to, who she's been at the games with, uh, what song references the fans are saying are, are signs from the past that this was meant to be. Okay, what kind of cloud are you living in if you think past experiences that Taylor Swift has written about in her songs are signs from the universe communicated to her telepathically. These are the crystal people speaking. And listen, I have a crystal in my hand. I have my black onyx, okay? I'm halfway into the woo-woo, and I'm halfway out. Because you, crystal vegans, lesbian, crystal, non-binary vegans on the TikTok, you're all out of your fucking minds. The planet people, the people who blame all of their life problems on the planets, and how um, Mercury and Venus are in Gatorade, and that is why your life's falling apart. Life is a series of choices, okay? You're making poor choices, myself included. I'm not exempt from this. I make poor choices that result in poor outcomes. It is not the fault of the universe and the planets, okay? Give me a break. I have seen more grown adults than I am comfortable with 
ranting and raving on the internet about goddamn Taylor Swift's relationship status. Okay, grown women are having meltdowns on the internet over why this is not a good idea, why this man is this, that, and the third. His ex-girlfriend, Travis Kelsey's ex-girlfriend, is doing interviews on what kind of person he is and why Taylor Swift shouldn't date him. Mind your fucking business. Mind your fucking business, all of you. That is the craziest thing to me that we think that some woman who's doing interviews about her ex is not looking for the money and attention that that is going to bring her and that she's looking out for someone's best interest. Okay, call me a cynic. I don't care. That's ridiculous. Second of all, if you are a grown person, I saw a grown woman so angry, screaming and ranting and raving about the Taylor Swift situation. If you have nothing going on in your life enough that you have time to make videos reflecting on Taylor Swift's relationship status and who she's dating, you need a job. And if you already have a job, then you need a hobby. And if you already have a hobby, then you need another one because you clearly have too much fucking time on your hands. I don't have the time to sit around and whine and complain about what I think of Taylor Swift's relationship status, nor should you as someone in your 30s or 40s. Okay, grow up. Now, look, I understand that this is a more public situation than we're used to. Normally, when celebrities are speculated about, are they dating? Are they seeing each other? It usually goes on for a period of time before we really full force see them spending time together. Usually there's pictures that come out of them at a restaurant, leaving a restaurant. The fact that we've put video cameras in this world in everyone's pocket is the worst thing that's ever happened. The worst thing that's ever happened. It is so strange to me when celebrities are somewhere or walking by somewhere and people are just pulling out their phones and recording them walking or existing. It's the strangest thing in the world. Could you imagine if I was out somewhere and you were there and you were just living your life existing and I just hold my phone up at you and I'm recording you ordering a drink at the bar? You would call the police. You would think I was a fucking stalker trying to take your identity. Why do we think that's okay? Like, why do people just have the reaction to pull out their phones and record people who are living their lives. It's one thing to like say something to someone, say hello, walk up to them, tell them you're a fan. Okay, whatever. Why are you recording them from 10 feet away like a goddamn fucking stalker? It's strange. So I understand that this is a more public situation. Like the fact that immediately after the rumors come out that she shows up to a game and she's wearing his jersey and she's sitting with his mom and she's flying with the team and she's leaving with him and she's out at restaurants with them. I, like, I get it. it. It's like more public facing than we're used to. She's giving us like too much too soon almost. So I get why people are hyped up about it. But I still think it's weird that everyone fucking cares so much. Imagine being almost a billionaire in your early 30s, single, all the like mental awareness and, and leveling up maturity wise that comes with entering your 30s and you're doing so as a multimillionaire, you can do anything you want with your life. You have no limitations as far as financially, what you can access. You've got the fucking world by the balls and you want to fuck around with some hot NFL player and everyone else is telling you what their fucking opinion is. Mind your fucking business. What you should be doing is figuring out how you could become a millionaire at 30 and fuck whoever you want and tell everyone to mind their business instead of worrying about what Taylor Swift is doing with her single vagina at the age of, what is she, 34, 33? Mind your fucking business. Get a life. Another thing that I can't understand that people are so upset about is that Madonna's celebration tour just started, right? So the first problem is that they're saying, oh, she's copying Taylor Swift with the Eras tour. First of all, if Taylor Swift is to last as long as Madonna has career-wise and still be relevant, she should be fucking grateful. Number two, Taylor Swift announced her Eras tour in November of 2022. Madonna announced her celebration tour, which is essentially a greatest hits tour, in January of 2023. If you think that they conceptualized this entire tour in two months, less than two months after Taylor Swift announced what her tour was going to be, even though we didn't know what it was going to be because they didn't give details, they just gave an idea, you're out of your fucking mind. That's number one. Those things don't happen overnight. Number two, okay? The celebration tour started in London this week. Madonna's a 65-year-old woman. The fact that she's even in six-inch stilettos in a fucking corset bodysuit performing on stage is mind-boggling to me. The fact that she had a near-death experience and such a serious health scare that almost cost her her life like fucking eight weeks ago, however long ago, two months, three months, and now she's on a fucking sold-out world tour is mind-boggling to me. 
the comments on these videos and the comments that people are making on the internet about how, oh, well, she doesn't look the same. She's not performing the same. She's not giving as much energy. She's 60 fucking five. Okay. She's 60 fucking five. That's almost 70. That's the age of most of our grandparents. What are your fucking grandparents doing at 65, 70 years old? Are they on stage performing a sold out world tour? all of their hits? No, they are somewhere with osteoporosis, struggling to stand up straight to walk out the fucking door without assistance, okay? It takes some goddamn 10 minutes to get out of the car and across the parking lot to go get their fucking toilet paper at Walmart. And you have the nerve to sit here and write these comments about what this woman is doing on her sold out world tour. Uh, excuse me? What do you expect? Do you think she's going to do backflips? Do you think that she has access to some sort of nanobot technology like we see in the fucking movies that is going to course through her veins and reattach her spine and her hip replacement and have her doing fucking backflips. This is not Willy Wonka. She is not Grandpa Joe. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me that people have these comments to make about a past middle-aged woman who has been doing this for, what, 40 years. Don't you think that the fans don't care. Don't you think that this is probably going to be her last go around, right? At 65, I think she's 65, correct me if I'm wrong. Don't you think that this is going to be the last tour? Don't you think that people who are actually fans of her would rather see her one more time performing at whatever capacity than not at all? Why are you so bothered by this? Mind your business. That is the theme of this episode. Mind your motherfucking business. If you don't like it, don't buy a goddamn ticket. I am most definitely going to see this tour because I've never seen her. And I must cross that off my list because it's just the, one of the most legendary people to ever do it. Like, it's crazy to me that people aren't celebrating the fact that she's still out there doing it. And I'm not like a big fan of hers. I, I think she's great. I think it's important what she's done for the industry and for, for so many different facets. But I, I don't personally like sit home and listen to her music, but I will be at this tour. But for people who are like, I relate it to how I feel about Mariah. And if she's not going to perform at the same capacity then that she did it, I don't know, 1995, because she's not the same age or, or not capable of the same things anymore at this stage of life, I'd still rather see her. I'd still rather her go out and do what she can than for her to just fucking retire. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's so weird to me that people don't look at it from that perspective. They're comparing Madonna at 65 to Madonna at 35, 40, 45, 50. Obviously, it's a very different experience. Are you slow? Are you okay? <sighs> Lastly, the Wasp's Nest, the Beyonce's fans, okay? They're, they're at it again. They're out and they're at it again. They are comparing her to Beyonce and saying that she is copying Beyonce because she has a segment in her show during Vogue where she is um, showcasing ballroom culture. And she has her daughter on stage voguing and her and her other daughter were holding the scorecards and giving tens. And they're acting as if Beyonce has invented ballroom and voguing because she made one album centered around that culture 20 something years into her career and did one tour where that is being showcased. And I would like to know where the history of all of that, where do you think that comes from? You think Beyonce invented that? When in fact, Madonna helped popularize it and bring it to the mainstream in the 90s when Vogue came out is crazy to me. How do you copy something from someone who just started doing it when you've been doing it for decades? And there's always this conversation I see in the comments of people who are angry and who want to defend one side or the other, which again, like I think you need a life if you're arguing over pop stars in uh, the comments aggressively. But there's always this conversation about how Madonna popularized that stuff and quote unquote stole it from the black community. But what I think is so interesting is that all of her choreographers and creative directors and dancers of that time in the 80s and the 90s continue throughout her entire career were always gay men who were either black or Latin. Those people taught her what was going on in their culture. And those people taught her what was going on in the ballrooms at the time. And again, I'm not a Madonna historian, but I, I know this from some things that I've seen. To act like she's out of place to illustrate that style of entertainment when she helped popularize it in the mainstream culture is crazy to me. Madonna has been such a pioneer for women for the gays and for diversity and inclusivity when those weren't even words we were using. Those weren't topics that were popular to talk about. It wasn't profitable 
to do those things because it wasn't a checklist on on a corporate sheet. You know, like the diversity check wasn't in commercials. It wasn't on, we didn't have the internet. You know, like she was doing all of those things before it was popular because it's genuinely who she was as a person. She pushed boundaries for so many groups of people, especially women, playing with gender roles long before anybody was doing that in pop culture. The only person who maybe touched it at the same time as her was Janet. Janet Jackson is obviously brilliant as well. But if you watch some of the footage from the Blonde Ambition Tour, which went on in the 90s, and from the Truth or Dare film, which is like a mix of a documentary and a concert film from Madonna, the way that she was dressing during the opening segment and the way that the dancers' roles, how the men and women's roles were kind of flipped, it was a commentary on gender roles and feminism in America at that time and how equality was necessary and women weren't less than men. The way that the performers, Madonna and her female dancers are dressed in a very masculine way and they're performing in a very masculine way and the men are assuming the feminine role. They're even simulating sex in the choreography with the roles reversed where the women are the men. So to act like she wasn't a pioneer of all of this at a time when she got nothing but controversy for it and it wasn't celebrated in the same way that artists are doing similar stuff to what she was doing then now and maybe elevated maybe a little further, but it's made possible by people like her. And to act like she's not a part of that conversation and she didn't help push it is crazy to me. And to act like Beyonce somehow is more entitled to that culture, that it's more authentically hers, doesn't really make sense to me because I've never seen a video of Beyonce out at the clubs with the gays. I've never seen a video of Beyonce out in the ballroom culture. I've seen countless videos and pictures and appearances Madonna has made in those places for decades. That's always been a part of who she is as a performer. And the fact that you can watch in the Truth or Dare film that I'm referencing, where she would go to other countries, I forget what country she was in in this specific clip, they were trying to get her to change her performance around because she was doing a lot of sexual stuff. And specifically during like a version, she was on a bed and she was simulating masturbation. And so were the dancers that were around her. And at one part, her team comes to her and tells her that if she doesn't make changes to her show, and if she does these things on stage, they're going to arrest her for whether it was indecency or whatever it was. She goes on to say that, you know, I'm an artist. This is how I choose to express myself. I'm not changing my fucking show. And if they arrest me, they arrest me. Of course they didn't. But she never compromised her artistic integrity. And in a culture where all of these pop stars get on the internet with like pre-written notes app messages by their publicists to talk about, oh, it's really sad what's happening in this part of the world. And we act like that's really doing something because you said what we already know, which is that what's happening is disgusting, that somehow you get a gold star when this artist was living it and actually fighting for something, whether it be women's rights at the time, whether it be for the gays, whatever it was, is crazy to me that we don't give that person enough credit for the strides they've made in entertainment. And we don't act like that they've helped to make it possible for the people who are doing what they're doing today in the same industry for that to be done. It's crazy to me. It's also crazy to me what was considered inappropriate or uh, what women were being called sluts and whores for. You know, you watch like old performances of Janet Jackson. You watch like Britney Spears at the VMAs ripping off the suit. And she had like the nude bodysuit with the sparkly bra top. And that was somehow like an abomination for people to see on television. And then we have Cardi B and Megan The Stallion shaking their assholes out on uh, to WAP on CBS for the Grammys. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I I don't really have an opinion on that. I don't really care. If you don't want your children to watch it, that's your responsibility as a parent. Stop blaming other people. But there is a difference. Like The things that are now celebrated were the exact opposite. And they did it so that it would become more normalized and to show that there was nothing wrong with women showing their sexuality to push the culture forward for today. And I feel like she is the prime example of that. There's a reason she is the queen of pop, whether you like that or not. In conclusion, let's all celebrate Madonna on the celebration tour because as much as she's not my number one and I don't know the discography the way that I do other artists that I love, let's treat people who are legendary like they are while they're still here because the narrative always flips when people like that are no longer around, right? So today it's, oh, Madonna, she doesn't look the same performing on stage. Her energy's low. But when something happens to her and she's no longer here, it'll be, 
Madonna, the trailblazing legend who changed the game for women and gays in the 90s and authentically was a part of these communities helping to propel them forward. So let's have that attitude now instead of all these negative, nasty comments by people who can't get on stage and perform a two-hour show in six-inch stilettos at fucking 32, let alone 65, okay? Call me when you can do what she's doing, you fucking asshole. I swear, for someone who pretty much never talks about Madonna, I've really been on the front lines of defending her this week. (laughs) Another blonde bitch that I love is Kim Petras, and last week I was in Brooklyn to see Kim Petras on her Feed the Beast world tour, And there has been a lot of controversy about that tour. A lot of people, again, have negative comments about the way that the tour is selling and whether or not she's filling these venues. All I can say is I was at the Brooklyn Mirage and I used to love that venue. It was one of my favorites. And now when I hear that someone I want to see is coming to that venue, I want to kill myself and I cringe because it is the worst. If you've been to the Brooklyn Mirage in the years past, The best thing that they've done to improve it is take out those fucking columns. There was all these columns in the middle of of the fucking general admission floor that would just block your view. They got rid of those. The venue is set up almost like a castle with the walls. It reminds me of the fucking Great Wall of China. And you can kind of like walk up there and, and have like an elevated view if you stand up there. That used to be open to anyone with a ticket. Now it's a specific like VIP package, I guess. So I learned the hard way through this experience to splurge on the VIP tickets if you want a good view and you want to be able to move around. Brooklyn Mirage oversells the fucking floor so bad. We were packed in there like motherfucking sardines. I could not even move to dance. Like Trying to get my hands up to take a video with the camera was challenging. That's how tight it was because they oversell the fuck out of those tickets. It was sold out and it was oversold out. So whatever comments that people have about this tour and markets where she's selling and where she's not, she packed the fuck out of New York. And honestly, I don't know who else matters. I don't know what else matters on tour than your New York stop and your hometown stop. Other than that, who gives a fuck? The show was great. I think she's severely underrated. I feel like with pop artists, you're either going to get one of two things, right? Like you're either going to get somebody who sings or you're going to get somebody who's putting on a show and dancing. It's a rare combination that you get both. And I think the last time we got that combination in a new artist was Lady Gaga. And honestly, a lot of her show, the opening, the theatrics of it reminded me of like 2009 fame era Lady Gaga. And I think that's a lot of why I like it. But every time you see Kim Petras live, she's going to give you incredible live vocals. And there's been a lot of conversation on various social media under different videos about her using like a tuner, some autotune on her vocals. People, I think, don't understand autotune the way that people who use it or pay attention to it do. And they think that if you're using autotune on these live vocals or a lot of reverb or whatever programs and and tuners that they don't actually know what they are, they think that the person is just being produced their vocals are being produced to sound like that live. That's not the case. Like if you listen to the live videos, yes, there's effects on her vocals, but what artist in 2023 is not using effects on live vocals? It's just become kind of like the new standard. I'm not comparing Kim Petras to Ariana Grande, but I saw Ariana Grande on the Sweetener World Tour and she does it too. And she's got an incredible voice. People are acting like Kim Petras is not hitting those notes. Like when you hear her hitting those notes, that it's not real. It's being bounced through a program. She's hitting those notes and she's singing live the entire show. You can hear when she would laugh or like say something to someone in the crowd or she got emotional at one point. You could hear that it was live. So people that are acting like that's not the case is crazy to me. She is incredibly talented as a vocalist. She's not giving you a Britney or a Doja Cat style dance routine and performance. But what she is giving you is a really great live vocal performance. And I think that that is sometimes more important depending on the artist, right? Like we're not going to go to a Britney Spears concert and expect her to sing on stage for two hours and blow us away vocally. You're going to that because you're going to get a show. I enjoy when someone's not going to give you as much of the physical performance, but they're going to give you the voice and the vocals. That is where she stands out. She's got a lot of incredible, catchy pop songs. She's a great writer. I don't understand why this album is not performing the way that I thought it was going to because Feed the Beast, the album is some of the best pop music of 2023, in my opinion. I think that it was like a really strong debut. 
especially given the fact that her original album that she was supposed to put out was leaked and scrapped and she started all over. So to come with this strong of a full project, everybody's hating on the song Bait with Banks. I think it's a problem of the younger generation, the young kids, like not understanding who Banks is as an artist, because that song is very much her style and somebody that Kim Petras apparently looked up to and really enjoys. Um, So that collaboration is very much in the style of Banks. And I think it's amazing. Yeah, I don't get the thing with Kim Petras. I really thought this was going to be her year. And I thought she was going to pop the way that others have in the past. And I guess so did the label. And that isn't happening just yet. But I haven't lost hope because I think that she's really great. And I think that her live was much more impressive than I imagined it was going to be. I think that the Brooklyn Mirage elevated her show because they have this enormous wraparound screen that made it feel like you were in the middle of an arena just because of the sheer size of it. And it kind of like wraps around the entire stage. It, It was crazy. And honestly, whoever was doing the camera for the live video that was on the screens, like in real time, needs to take that recording and turn it into a fucking Netflix special because it was filmed. It looked like I was watching a Netflix special on the screen right next to me. The DJ that opened was great. Um, I think his name was Alex Chapman. He played some of the best gay pop. He was playing some really good stuff to start. And it's so funny because I brought hot chocolate with me and he's so not a gay. Like he just doesn't know anything about pop culture or pop music. He's like so out of the loop when it comes to that shit. Sometimes I'll like play songs that are like classic pop songs of the 2000s and 2010s. And he has no idea what the fuck it is. He was playing, um, Alex Chapman was playing Paris Hilton. Stars are blind. And he's like, oh, I didn't know Paris Hilton made music. I'm like, where were you in 2006 when Paris, the album came out as a fucking classic. He played what dreams are made of from the Lizzie McGuire movie, like this fun housey remix of it. Hot Chocolate had no fucking idea what that song was or where it was from. I was like, what kind of gay are you? Finally, Wannabe by the Spice Girls came on and I was like, please tell me you know what this is. Please tell me you know this fucking song. And he's like, yeah, obviously it's the Spice Girls. I'm like, thank God I would have had to tap out at that point. So funny too, because we're packed in this big gay crowd, right? And I can smell the wafting chemical scent of poppers coming from every direction. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. But I don't participate in that shit because I'm not shoving any chemicals out of a bottle up my nose for a fucking head rush. So I am the worst when I have to pee. I'm like, I have the bladder of a child. I have to pee all the time, especially if I'm drinking. I do this to myself every time. Like I shouldn't be downing White Claws while the show is happening or about to happen because I'm going to have to pee to the point where it's an emergency and I've got to leave. <laughs> so I plotted my bathroom break with the set list beforehand. I saw the set list. I knew exactly at what time I would go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom. I leave hot chocolate. We had met this guy next to us. I don't remember his name, but he was from Denver. And he was really sweet. So he he asked Hot Chocolate if he was straight. And Hot Chocolate was not prepared to be potentially flirted with, apparently. So I'm going back from the bathroom and I'm like a row of people behind them. But I can hear what he's saying. And he asks him if he's straight. And Hot Chocolate turns around and goes, um, I have a boyfriend. And then I walk up around and he's like, and that's him. There he is. <laughs> And I was cracking up. The way he did it was so funny. He was like, I have a boyfriend and that's him right there. So I guess there's worse problems to have than your boyfriend being over the top loyal. (laughs) That's a problem I'll take. So we had the best night other than the fact that I couldn't move. Like I was so ready to shake my ass and have a good time. And I just like didn't have the space to move my arms upward to even be in a position where I could dance. So that was kind of disappointing. And that was the only part of the show that hindered it for me. And unfortunately, it's like a really important part that I couldn't move. Okay, let's get into the music video shoot because you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, how much I love Q and how much I've been pushing his album, Soul Present, on every person I know. I want everyone to hear it because it's one of the best full projects I've heard in such a long time. He's such an incredible artist. I'm obsessed with him. I literally stalk him in the DMs and tag him and shit nonstop. I'm sure he's sick of me. So I saw earlier in the week that he was looking for people to be in his music video that he was shooting in New York City at Washington Square Park. So I was like, I got to get myself in there. So I headed to the city with no like real idea of what was going to happen or what the requirements were or anything. It was kind of just like show up. 
at this time at Washington Square Park and we'll see you there. So I said, sick, I'm in. My mind was going and I was super awake more early than I'm used to and caffeinated. So I had some thoughts as I was walking towards the park. And uh, yeah, let's check in with me back then. (laughs) I don't know how this recording is going to turn out with these makeshift wired in headphones since I lost one of my AirPods for the first time in history since ever having them. Um, And it's so funny because I was talking to Hot Chocolate the night before because I gave him my older pair of AirPods. He's like all into sound and headphones and all that shit. So he has like Mac Daddy expensive Sony headphones, but like I can't wear those over my head because I am too conscious of my hair. It's my best physical attribute, that and my ass. <laughs> he never had AirPods for that reason because he likes those big, like, bass-heavy headphones. So I gave him my old pair, and of course, within weeks, I knew he was going to lose them or break them, and he broke them, so whatever. So that night, I'm like, you know, it's so funny. In all the time I've had AirPods, I've never lost them or broken them. Fast forward to the next day, I'm at work hanging fucking plants and watering like I'm a goddamn botanist because they decide that when you work at a restaurant, you're their fucking bitch. So I'm up on the chair and I have them in my pocket like an asshole, lost one under the deck, couldn't rip up the deck to get to it. Miserable, the brand new ones, of course. I couldn't have lost the old ones. Honestly, I'm so fucking obese and out of shape. I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to talk and walk at the same time. So anyway, I am in the city for a music video shoot for Q, as you know one of my favorite fucking artists and discoveries of this year. It's definitely going to be a long day because I am not a morning person and because I work at night, I usually sleep till fucking 12. But uh, today I was up at 5 a.m. on four hours of sleep. Morning is not my time. I'm on my third coffee and the caffeine is not hitting and it's still not enough. Where the fuck am I? Did I miss where I needed to make a right. You know, it's incredible. All these years of growing up in New York and living so close to the city and always coming here, it never gets old walking up out into the city from Penn Station and realizing that you live right around the greatest city in the world where people come on vacation from other places all over the world. People save up their entire lives or years at a time, just to spend a week or two here. And we have such incredible access to it. So many people on Long Island don't utilize what they have essentially in their backyard, and that fucking amazes me. People who say they hate the city, like, I don't trust them. (laughs) Wow, I'm really getting my workout in today that I usually don't get at all because I'm a lazy-ass bitch. Ooh, look at this bitch looking like a model. So many hot bitches in the city, I can't. I decided to take the long walk from Penn Station down 8th Avenue to Washington Square Park, which is about a half an hour on the map, but I walk very fast, do my little gay trot. (laughs) And as I'm getting more and more out of shape, it's getting harder and harder to not be out of breath, especially talking at the same time. But I like to take that walk because it's rare that I'm in the city alone and I'm not on like a tight time schedule to get somewhere where I don't have to jump in an Uber and I can just really enjoy the walk. And especially at this morning time, I think it's like nearing 9 a.m. Everybody's pretty much at work by now on a weekday. So the city's quiet. Like you walk down the streets, it's not packed. People still don't fucking walk fast enough for me. I'm in goddamn New York City and I can't get around people because everyone walks fucking slow. But I think if I continue to walk as quickly as I do, (laughs) maybe I won't become one of those old people bent over with osteoporosis, right? I'm in one of my favorite areas, the West Village. I used to come down here when I was like 19. So every time I take this walk, it reminds me of like that time in my life. And I'm a very sentimental, nostalgic person. It's the gayest thing about me, (laughs) you know, besides like sucking dick. It reminds me of that, like, exciting time in my life and, you know, not to get sappy, but growing up as a homo on Long Island, 
it's like a weird environment, especially in the 2010s, to be, you know, who you were without criticism at every corner. So I feel like coming here and experiencing so many different people as I was growing into adulthood for the first time and doing things where I was a little more independent and less restricted by rules and parents and all that dumb shit and not having to fight to get out of the house kind of started to figure out who I was even more so than I knew already and I feel like people and places that I experienced here heightened that and I really kind of like came into my own and there's a few places that remind me so much of that time I guess and I revisit to get that like sense memory of it you know when you see something or you smell something or you walk into a certain place and it just kind of transports you back to a certain time or a certain moment or a certain memory I have a lot of those memories down here so that's my long-winded explanation on my sappy sentimental bullshit yesterday I was debating whether I wanted to come down here and go to the shoot and be a part of it and it's funny how sometimes you like subconsciously make excuses to not do something that you know you want to do and you know could be good for you or beneficial in some way because when you're a part of these things in the entertainment industry when you are working towards a goal in that industry and you're trying to elevate you know specifically in the position I'm in where I've only been doing this for a year and I'm constantly trying to elevate and make connections and push myself further towards the level I want to be at, you know? It's important to be a part of these things because you never know who you meet. And the entertainment industry is so interesting. And I've learned this through friends that I've had that are either actors or musicians or whatever part of the entertainment industry they're in. That one day and one interaction and one conversation can completely change your life, right? No matter what your goals are in entertainment. You could be doing something as simple as being on TikTok and one video hits an algorithm and all of a sudden things start changing and your goals start being met, you know, out of nowhere. And to relate it to what anyone else does, if you're in the corporate world, if you're in business, if you start your own business, you never know like which conversation, which interaction, which connection could help propel you to the next level. So for me, sometimes I'm limited because I have to work my regular stupid piece of shit job that I hate to pay the bills. So sometimes I miss out on things that I want to be a part of for that reason. And yesterday, when I was telling myself that I should be here and be a part of this, you know, you let certain insecurities get the best of you. And you start like subconsciously not realizing that that's the reason that you're making excuses of why you shouldn't do something. So I think it's really important to fight through that. And mine vary. Sometimes it's feeling imposter syndrome, when I'm around like artists and people who are at a really high level in entertainment and are doing the things that I'm trying to work towards, sometimes I feel like, who am I to have an opinion or a voice in those conversations or those rooms? But I'm really good at like, that doesn't happen to me as often, but when it does, I'm pretty good at like shaking that off and doing the kind of fake it till you make it thing. And then in those conversations or after those conversations, I realize that I do have a lot of knowledge on those things that I'm speaking about, especially when it comes to music. And that opinion or input is valid and people do respect it when they hear it because it's clear that I know what I'm talking about. And there's not many things that I could say I know what I'm talking about to that level. So I feel like the whole imposter syndrome thing is important to shake off and just push yourself to do things anyway. And that's like a strength that I have. I'll always push myself to do it. Then there's insecurities about other things, right? Like I woke up this morning and I was getting ready and I was like, well, I'm huge. I'm gonna look even more huge <laughs> on camera. I hate my skin. I hate my face. I hate my life. I'm 400 pounds, even though I'm not. And I just like didn't want to go. But then I got dressed and I got myself together and I looked in the mirror and I was like, ooh, you look cute today. And that's a rare occurrence for me. So I put myself on the train and here I am walking into Washington Square Park early because the shoot, they said the shoot was from nine to one. 
and I have to be the fuck out of here by one o'clock in order to make the train and get myself to work on time. I know how these things go, they run late. And not that I think I'm gonna be an integral part of any fucking production that's happening today, but I also don't wanna look like a stupid idiot being like, oh, sorry guys, I gotta leave early, you know? So hopefully it runs on schedule, but they texted and said that everyone should arrive at 10.30, even though it said from nine to one yesterday. So I guess I'm early. <laughs> so I'm gonna walk myself around the park, find myself a place to piss, which good luck with that. Who knows where that is? And I've also incessantly been inboxing Q, the artist who's shooting the video today, about an interview. <laughs> and he has not responded, as I told you in the Eric Zane interview. And I'm not gonna bring it up. I may make it known at some point that I am the stalker who's been harassing him for an interview, but I don't think I'm gonna push that fact today. I'm just going to sit in the background and be part of what's happening <laughs> because I don't want to piss him off. I'm standing at the gate of Washington Square Park staring at the fucking fountain from a little bit of afar and like I said it just like never gets old being in the city. It's just wild to think how many people come here for opportunities. The history of the city and how many people in the times past have come from other places through New York City for better lives, more opportunity, the things that people have accomplished in this city, the amount of incredibly accomplished people who are currently in this city somewhere around the vicinity that I'm at. It's just, I don't know, I feel like there's no place like New York and as crazy as it can be and as fucked up as it can be and as gross as it is to see the trash on the streets in certain places and the fucking rats running around. <laughs> Um, I feel like New York really does have this magic to it that no other place has. I honestly have like such a love affair with New York City. And as I'm getting older, I feel like I have always hated on living on Long Island because the people are kind of like, for the most part. But the location of where I live is so unique and incredible. And it's like so amazing that I just ended up here by chance. The fact that I could be out in Montauk and in the Hamptons in no time, and then two hours the other side from that is New York City, the greatest city in the fucking world. And then in between is all the beaches, the incredible beaches that we go to in the summer here. Like It's just such an interesting place to live, to have so many things that people miss out on in other parts of the country, right? Like in other states, if you have a beach, you don't have a big city. If you have a big city, you don't have a beach. You know, like it's kind of unique other than like, I guess San Diego has the city side, the beach side, LA, same thing. But LA, the people are fucking shit. So I just feel like to grow up so close to New York City, but also have all these other incredible things, living in like the farm country, even though it's not like fucking Nebraska, but they're like growing all these fresh products out here, out east, all the farm stands I went to earlier in the week, the wineries, like it's crazy that we have all of this stuff in one like small vicinity. So the shoot was great. I honestly never felt more 30 years old and out of shape than I did that day. I was having a conversation with some of the other people that were there to shoot the video. And we were talking about how old we were. Everybody was between like 24 and my age. And I was saying how I never felt more 30 years old than after we did the first take. So the way they set up the shot was that I guess earlier in the video, I still I haven't seen it because it's not out yet. But they were talking about how at one point in the video, Q was going to pull up in a cab and jump out of the cab at Washington Square Park. And then the continuation of that scene is what we shot. So he was walking into the park and we were walking behind him, kind of like following him. And he looks back kind of like he's being stalked and followed. And we're like straight face in a line walking towards him. And then he starts to run and we start to speed up and run after him. And then it ends up in this like performance scene in front of the archway in Washington Square Park, where we're all kind of like dancing to the music. I don't know how they're going to put that all together because I haven't seen the final product. But I've done like some television pilot stuff with MTV when I was younger. I've done a ton of auditions. Like I've seen how production kind of works when you're filming something, but I've never seen a music video in person. And it's really crazy that I said I wanted to be in a music video before 2023 was over. But I was thinking more so like some of my friends that make music and shoot stuff, like maybe I could weasel my way in there. I didn't think it was going to be like one of my new favorite artists who I just love and respect and 
follow their career. So that was like a really interesting, awesome turn to have wanted to do something, but it turned out that you did it at a bigger capacity than you thought. It was really cool. And the whole day, I just kept thinking about that. So they set up the shot where we're running through the park after him. I didn't realize or think about until I was there that each scene would be shot from a couple different angles and that you have to do a bunch of takes of it. So we're doing each setup, we're doing like five to 10 takes. So by the time we're running after him in a fucking sprint and then we're resetting and doing it again, it's been like 10 times (laughs) of running at a full sprint after him times three different angles. So that's like 25 or 30 times we're fucking sprinting. I'm sweating. The first time I ran, something in my ankle like kind of gave out and I had to like hop over and I was like, oh my God, tell me in the first shot, the first scene, the first shot, I literally just blew my fucking ankle and I'm out. I'm already done before I even got started in this fucking video, but I powered through it. It was fine. It was not an injury, but it felt like it in the moment. And I said to myself, I have never felt more 30 years old than trying to run for a couple scenes and a couple takes and feeling like I'm going to die and be out of breath. I got home that night. My legs were hurting. I was like, wow, I am not 25 anymore. And everybody's mad at Madonna at 65. I can't even run across the park 20 fucking times without feeling like I'm going to have a heart attack. I thought I was going to have a goddamn seizure. So the whole experience was so cool. We were there for a few hours. Um, Some of the guys from Side Talk, if you watch Side Talk, were there to do like a mock scene in the beginning. I guess it's part of like how it opens. Again, I haven't seen the final product. Maybe they digitally edited me out of every scene. Maybe I ran like a girl. Maybe I won't even be in it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hope I at least get one good shot to, to show that I was in it. So anyway, it was a really cool experience to watch how you can do something so massive on such a small scale, right? So like there was a ton of people there, I guess from his team, uh, friends and people that were involved in the production. But watching them shoot something that'll turn out to look so professional and so like well done. I saw one clip that he's po- he posted of a shot that I'm not in. Um, But just seeing the quality of the video and thinking about how in earlier times in music, you needed this like huge production to accomplish that kind of look. And they're really just here shooting it with a couple cameras with one camera guy and a director was really cool to see like what you can produce. I don't uh, do that, obviously, like video production and working with cameras. uh, That's not really my thing. So to see it done and see what can be produced from like a small crew was really cool. I also kind of assumed that Q was the kind of artist where everything's really hands-on for him. You can tell by the music that he makes and how much he does himself that he would be that way. But to see it in person with the video and how much control he took over his vision and his product and what he wanted to show down to like changing the lenses and setting up the shots himself before he got in it, So many times throughout the day, the director and the guy who was filming it, I don't know what to call him. Is that a cinematographer? (laughs) I don't know anything about filming. Um, But so many times throughout the day, they would give direction to us or to Q and he would like change things and tweak it a little bit to how he saw it in his head, right? So at one point, they wanted to use a certain number of people to do the first shot of like running after him. And after like a take, he was like, no, let's put these amount of people in it and set it up this way. And then he was like changing the way the camera was set before we did the performance shot, talking about the way he wanted it to like come in and out. He was just setting everything up as if he was like co-directing it. So I guess essentially that's what he was doing to watch one of my favorite artists, even though I've discovered him over the past year, he's quickly become one of my favorites because of how incredible his music and his style is. So to watch somebody who you respect so much as an artist really take control in person, in the flesh, like of their vision and of their creativity was very inspiring to me. And I was really excited to be a part of that process, even at the small capacity that I was. And really just to stand around and witness it and watch it. It was really awesome. And I feel like that was such an incredible opportunity that he gave us because most situations are not like that. Like You're not going to find many people who are big fans of artists that get to sit in the process and watch it happen. Like It's just not common. So I thought that the fact that he opened that up to some of us was really cool and really exciting. And honestly, a lot of people were so like nonchalant about it that I tried to be cooler about it because so many people, I would be like, oh, how'd you find out about it? How'd you get here? And they were talking about how they were, had seen the post and they kind of just showed up. 
So then I'm asking them about like the music and and the show that he played in Brooklyn like a couple months back. I'm asking people like to gauge what kind of level of fan of him they are. And I feel like I was kind of the biggest fan in the room because they were a little more nonchalant about like his music and what they knew. So I just tried to play it cool like it wasn't that big of a deal for me, but it was. It was a very big deal for me to even be there and be a part of it. But I was trying to like keep it cool because no one else seemed to like be that blown away by it. So just the fact that I got to stand around and see it and and take it all in and get some of my own shots, like my own pictures and videos and and even just be in the presence of the project to then in turn see what the final product will look like, even if you don't see that much of me in it, just the fact that I got to be there and see it was one of the best experiences I've had all year and really had me excited about continuing to be a part of that in the future, you know? So shout out to Q, as always. I feel like we talk about him at least three times a quarter on this show, maybe more. I bring him up in like every interview at this point. Yeah, so be on the lookout for that. His new single, Hello, which is the song that we shot the video for, is out on Friday, October 20th. I think it's the 20th. I honestly don't know with the video when it'll come out. Like I'm hoping it'll drop at the same time, maybe the next day but I have no idea what their calendar is. I know he's putting out a short project, probably an EP, sometime before the end of the year. So I don't know when that video is going to drop, but look out for it because it should be out soon. You know I'm going to be posting about it non-fucking-stop. But make sure you stream his new single, Hello, which will come out this coming Friday. Living out my dreams of being an ass-shaking video, ho. <laughs> Just kidding. I got no opportunity to shake my ass, even though I was hoping for it. It just isn't the song for ass shaking, you know? It's not time to drop it low. As usual, make sure you're following me on Instagram at Making Not The Mouse. Make sure you're following the podcast Instagram at Postpounding. And make sure you leave a motherfucking five-star review on this episode. Because if you don't, why wouldn't you? Why not? All right, that's it for me. I'll catch you on the next one. Bye. 